or the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, here it is, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. For they that are after the flesh do mind. Yes. I've got that squared, underlined, and highlighted. They mind the things of the flesh. It leads them. It directs them. It guides them. They think about it. They ponder it. It's their agenda. But they that are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is warring against God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We use a real fancy King's English word, enmity. Mm -hmm. It means to war against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Listen to that. It is not subject to the law of God. And it's impossible for it to be subject to the law of God. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. And I repeat that to you men. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. In other words, if the spirit of God is dwelling in you, you are of the spirit. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That word enmity is a pretty key word. And this is written to the church at Rome. It's written to Christians, uh, written to followers. And he's talking about the flesh being at war with God. Mm. The biggest struggles I have in my personal life as a man, as a husband, as a father, they're not things that the devil throws my way. It's stuff that I, mm -hmm. in my own flesh, are dealing with. Yep. Yeah. I have the authority through the power of Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost and the Word to cast the devil out. Yeah. 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 But I have a hard time with me. Yeah. 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 I have a hard time casting me out. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's tough. That's true. Yeah. Rebuking myself. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. So my flesh wars against the things of God. According to this passage, we actually, if we are minding the flesh, we actually become anti-Christ wow. in our spirit. Mm -hmm. Anything that wars against God is anti-Christ. Now he's writing to the church at Rome here. The only way that the flesh is ever allowed to house the Holy Ghost to house the holy presence of God is after repentance and after a cleaning session. The prerequisite for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is repentance. You've got to clean the house out and then the Holy Spirit of Almighty God will come and reside there. In other words, we have to 
submit our flesh to the spirit in order for the spirit to move into our house of yeah. flesh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a very important understanding there. The first time we ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we submitted and we cleaned everything else out and we became in subjection to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost came in. Yes. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes after that, we feel like those prerequisites are no longer important. Mm -hmm. If it takes me submitting to the Holy Ghost in order for the Holy Ghost to come in, then it would also take me living a life of submission in order for the Holy Ghost to stay in. God's not going to wrestle with me much I don't know what the length is. It's probably different for everybody, but he just simply is not going to reside in a vessel that's not totally submitted to him. Right. Yeah. Right. And so Paul said it this way, I die every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, he said, I have to die every day. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature amen a new creature so if it takes death and submission to attain the Holy Ghost then it also takes death and submission to retain yes the Holy Ghost how do we how do we know if that's the kind of life that we are living what are what are the side effects what are the what's what's the fruit of a submitted life or a vehicle? The side effect of a unsubmitted spirit is this, contention. The side effect or the vehicle of an unsubmitted spirit is contention. Now, we are men, thank God. Mm -hmm. I think we all know that we are. Yep. This world is having a gender identity crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pretty easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you are. <laughs> Not real difficult. But built into the DNA of a man is a contending spirit. Yeah. Amen? Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. How many remember going to kindergarten, first grade, and second grade? I don't know how many scrapes and scraps I got into. Yep. yep. I won some and I lost some. But there's just a, a contentious spirit built into the male gender. Yeah. However, when we become children of God, there are some things that we have got to lay down. There are some things that we have got to keep on the altar and under the blood. Paul said every day I've got to put Paul down and he's got to die. Mm -hmm. So I try to have uh, thermometers in my life and because um, I can tell myself that I'm doing good and I can fool myself. Yeah. Yeah. But a thermometer on the wall tells me actually what temperature it is, not what I feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so I've learned that it's good to have thermometers in my life. Talk about it. Sometimes, well, a lot of times my feelings deceive me and they oh, yeah. fool me. 
I may think it's just a perfect temperature in here and everybody else has got on coats and jackets and yes, because they're cold. Yeah. So it's easy to be fooled by feeling. So if we put some thermometers in our life, it kind of lets us know how to live a balanced life. And so contention is one of those things that rises up as a side effect of an unsubmitted spirit. Okay. It means to, uh, the definition of contend means to uh, wrestle against or to struggle against or to engage in a campaign. That's, mm -hmm. that's what the word contention means by definition. Proverbs 21 and 9, the Bible says, it's better to live in the corner yeah. of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Mm -hmm. Some of you ought to say amen right there. Mm -hmm. Better to live in a desert wilderness than with a contentious woman. Some of you ought to say amen right there. I think it's just us. <laughs> Glad I don't have a microphone. So in all cases here, uh, in the original, you know, when you start studying biblical languages, a, a lot of uh, uh, the value comes from how these original words are, 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 are written. And so this, in this particular passage, is in a masculine form. That noun there is a masculine form. And because it's a masculine noun, it's applied to a woman, Precedent says it is dealing with spiritual authority. Yeah. Mm. So in the Bible, when you start doing word studies and you start looking at the origin, you know, English is really subpar to some of these original languages. Right. And so when they translate scripture into our, we lose some things if you really aren't a studier of the word. But when you begin to study the original meanings and and and, and uh, uh, genders of some of these words, uh, this here in Proverbs 21.9 is a masculine noun, but it's applied to a female person, so it's dealing with spiritual authority. Spiritual authority or problems with spiritual authority is really a divine order problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the divine order of God, yes, then we begin to have contentious right. issues. Yeah. Yeah. We begin to contend against things. Sure. Yeah. How many have teenagers that don't really like your rules sometimes? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't. Thank God for a wonderful, wonderful son that's with me this morning. The best of the three. <laughs> Every once in a while, I know when I was growing up for the play, I was contentious. Now, you know, my dad, that didn't work out too well for me. Six foot four and just didn't take much. There was no discussion, really. <laughs> After I picked myself up off the floor, I'd usually say, okay, you win. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but authority problems. Spiritual authority problems in this context are really nothing more than a misunderstanding of God's divine order. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
When God orders something, that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. It's not a democracy. Right. Right. When God says something, that's just the way it is. Period. But when my flesh bowls up a little bit, I get just a little bit contentious in my spirit. And I start throwing some subtle suggestions out there on how it could be better. Oh, yeah. It's usually a good time for me to then go on a long fast when I get into those places. I can tell when my spirit gets a little bit cynical. It's time for me to go on a fast. When I begin to contend with things, it's time for me, my flesh, to go on a fast. Anytime someone's not living in the realm or the dimension of the zone of submission, then they are actually stepping out from underneath the protection of God. The order of God or the covering of God. Same thing. You know, I would contend with my dad about some stuff, but at the end of the day, it was my dad that was putting the roof over my head and the food on my table. And if I was really too big for my britches and I got booted out, I also lost the covering. And I lost the food and I lost the blessings of dad's house. And sometimes you don't really like the house rules, but you do like the house. (laughs) It's all the covering and the divine order of God. And when I get that out of place, I am putting myself out on a limb on my own. That's a dangerous place. Dangerous place to be. 1 Corinthians 11 just goes into great detail about the divine order of God. But when we get divine order of God out of place, we are essentially telling God that we can do it better. We are giving God suggestions on what he has perfected. My way, God, is pretty good. Why don't you... Listen to this idea. That's essentially what we're saying. God spells it out. It's black and white. It's not open for discussion. But yet we rebel against it. We are saying, God, I've got a better idea. This agenda that's running rampant in our society is so... It's so rebellious against the plan of God. It's so rebellious against the plan and the order of God. It's essentially saying, I know how you did it, but look at this idea. It's probably better. It's better. We begin to contend for our views. We begin to contend for our ways. We begin to wage a campaign according to the definition for our way. And when we get into that dimension and those zones, we are really no longer able to even house the holiness of God, the holy presence of Almighty God on the inside. 
When my flesh contends for its ways over God's ways or over spiritual authority or over a brother or over the body, we are basically saying that we no longer are in need of you. Can no longer house the holiness of God if I'm contending for my own ways. Now, I'm not talking about fighting for doctrine. I can go into James and, yeah. and preach about that contention a long, long time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being contrary to the things and the ways and the order of God. Yeah. The Spirit of God or the, the Holy Ghost, it, it cannot nor will it coexist with me. My flesh has got to die in order for him to dwell in me. 1 Corinthians 11 again, um, it, chapter 11 of, the, of 1 Corinthians is just a wonderful, wonderful story and, and chapter of, of all of this. I, uh, I was reminded about Cain and Abel this morning. It's Genesis 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, she conceived and bare Cain, said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. One was a farmer, and uh, the other was, I, I, well, I guess they were both farmers, but one planted and one, one uh, uh, was more of a shepherd. Yeah. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, the Bible says, and Cain tilled the ground. Now God had already laid out what he wanted for sacrifice. He'd already made it clear what the plan was, but Cain had a contentious problem with that. Because mm-hmm. it didn't fit into his resume. He wasn't a keeper of sheep, he was a tiller of the ground, but God previously said what he wanted for sacrifice and for offerings. And so he was going to do it his way, period contended against the plan of God. I'm amazed sometimes at the analogies that are in this Bible. Mm -hmm. The types and the shadows and how they're all woven in together. Genesis 2 and 7 says that the Lord framed us and built us out of the dust of the earth. Out of the ground. Our flesh was formed out of the dust of the earth, the ground. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Remember the story of Achan? Yeah. Jericho? God mm-hmm. said, go and kill everything. Yeah. Kill it all. Yep. And uh, Achan was contentious and kept some of it for himself. Mm-hmm. What did he do with it? Where did he put it? Just kind of neat to me how some of these things just all... Our flesh was created out of the dust of the earth. And I find Cain's issue was an earth issue. Yeah. Yeah. Achan buried that stuff that 
basically he rebelled against God and hid it under his tent and hid it in the ground. Mm -hmm. Flesh has a way of finding itself, right? Yep. Saul, 1 Samuel 15, he's in war and he is told, he's instructed very clearly to smite the Amalekites and kill them all, kill everything. Then he said, well, I'm going to keep the best of the sheep, and the best of the oxen. And I'm going to keep the best and I'm going to offer it to God. That wasn't the, that wasn't the instructions. That's not what God said to do. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not, Saul. You weren't asked to make the plan. You were just asked to obey the plan. Yep. Yep. It was complete defiance. To the word of God, to the instructions of God. I know it looks like a good thing you're doing, so we're going to keep the best and we're going to sacrifice it to God. That's not what he said to do. I know it looks appealing to all my peers, but that's not what God said to do. And we better, we better be pleasing to God first of all. Yes, sir. We better please him first of all over everything else. Yeah. 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 It's so deceitful here, this story. It, it looks like it's a God thing. It looks like it's a noble thing. Saul, look what he's doing. He's sacrificing unto God. No, he's rebelling is what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of religion. He is completely rebelling against the word of God. Yeah. And gaining Social credit out of it. I'm getting hungrier, I would. <laughs> Most things that we really do for the kingdom and are unto God, I would say a lot of those things nobody will ever know about. But a lot of things that we do in public eye really are kind of more for us uh -huh. than for the kingdom. I don't, find, I don't find Saul out in a private area doing this sacrifice unto God, but it was for social credit. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like a wonderful thing that we are doing for the Lord. No, what you're doing is you're rebelling and you're disobeying God. It's a strong, strong thing. I mean, who would think that a sacrifice to God is witchcraft? God did. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Contention in its rawest form. When we fight against the plan and the order and the things of God, contention in its rawest form is just the same as rebellion. Just the same as the sin of witchcraft. Yeah. I'm sure Saul probably fooled a lot of people, but I tell you who he didn't fool. He didn't fool God. Not everyone's motives are pure. Not everyone's intentions are pure. That was the day that the anointing left Saul. That's a sad. That's a sad story. Yeah. Yeah. You really dig into that. I mean, he was anointed. Yes, he was. God, well, the, the people really wanted it. And so God said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. 
and he anointed him. Yeah. God anointed Saul. But that was the day that it left. God found another to replace him. Yep. I don't care, Saul, that you're head and shoulders above the rest. I don't care that you're talented. I don't care that you have charisma. Saul, I don't care what your resume says. You are in direct rebellion, and God will replace you. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Let me tell you something. I want to be pleasing to God. Amen. I want to be pleasing to God if no one else is happy with me. Let God be happy yes. with me. Yes. Amen. Amen. There's a way which seems right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a way which seems right unto man. It feels right. It looks right. It smells right. It's on social media, right? It gets a bunch of likes. Yeah. Who cares? What does God say? Yep. Yeah. Mm. The end result is death. Mm. How about it, Cain? How'd that work out for you? Come on. Aiken, how, how'd that turn out for you? Saul, mm. how you doing, buddy? Come on. Death. Seemed mm. right, looked right. Mm. Come on. The death of an anointing, the death of a ministry, the death of a calling, the death of the favor of God. I know we're under the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. Thank God. I've been dead a long time ago. He may not take my life, but he can take anointing. He can take favor. He can take blessing. He can take things away that I've disregarded because of my contentious views, my contentious ways. I don't know why I'm on this subject this morning, but prayerfully, we're in the Holy Ghost. God's ways are not our ways. I'm, I'm going to close here. God's ways are not our ways. I've got to have my way lining up to God's ways. Yes. Yes. It's the only thing that matters is that I'm pleasing to God. It's the only thing that matters doesn't matter how I feel, doesn't matter how I look, doesn't matter how I appear. I've got to be pleasing to God and I've got to be in obedience to this book right here. Yeah. God simply will not bow to my prejudice. To my viewpoints, to my traditions, to my anything, my good intentions, matter of fact. God is a man of his word, literally, and he will stand on it and buy it. And I'll be judged from it. Any ministry or good work done or anything done out of the order of God is done in vain. I cannot force God into my box of ideals and my box of agendas. I cannot do it. I've tried. Believe me, it doesn't work out that well. God doesn't have to bend to my whims and my agenda, but to the contrary. It doesn't matter if it's in my comfort zone or not. Yeah. <laughs> My comfort zone ought to be 
Whatever the Word of God says is my comfort zone. Amen. I know sometimes as men, even in the church and even in the ministry, if you can imagine, cross swords with somebody and cross ways with somebody and, you know, you bow up and, and, and get a little bit contentious and, and, and I, I know I have. I know sometimes, you know, you go some places and speak some things and people are saying, what in the world is he talking about? And you sit back and raise your eyebrows. What do you say we just follow the word of God? Yes, yes sir. Just follow the divine order of God and stay in the agenda, in the will of God. And then we'll see the favor of God. Right. We'll see the favor of God. If we... If we need anything in these last days, we need the favor of God. Yes, yes. Yes. You know what it is that brings cars and off of this highway to this parking lot? Yeah. It's not that you got a beautiful structure. There's beautiful buildings everywhere. Yeah. It's not that you got one of the greatest preachers in all of Pentecost, and I'm saying that seriously. Yes. There's great speakers everywhere. But the favor, favor of, God. of God. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Is what draws cars in. And when they drive by, they feel a little something. That's the favor of God. And the favor of God comes when we put ourselves in alignment with Him. For His purpose. For His agenda. And for His kingdom. Not for me. John said, I've got to, I've got to decrease. Yes. What would happen in the kingdom of God? What would happen in this men's group? What would happen in this church if all of us had that? I've got to decrease. I've got to decrease. And the kingdom of God has got to increase. Hallelujah. It's not about me. It's not about my ideas. It's not about my agenda. It's all about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom has got to be a 